Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I am Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bonnie, it's the dog days of summer. Uh, a lot of the country is still sweltering. I know that you in Oklahoma are as well. Yeah. Uh, especially and also down south in the uh, south of me, down toward California. Once you get down into like the LA basin, out toward Palm Springs, where it's obviously hot. Uh, and then as you progress eastward toward Phoenix, a lot, a lot of hot temperatures. But uh, up here in the beautiful northwest, it's a lovely 85 and not a cloud in sight. I take that back. There is one cloud. It's very, very small. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're lucky. It's starting to heat back up. We Our nice cool down is coming to an end, unfortunately. We had some record low temperatures uh, two days in a row, I believe. Oh, wow. And I'll tell you right now, I don't remember what those record lows were. I think one of them might have been 59 degrees. Okay. So, which is ridiculously low for this time of year. That... So, that was nice. Like, there was two mornings I came out of the house and I was like, wow, it's actually kind of chilly. And it, it's July. It's sweatshirt <laughs> weather. Yes. In July. But it's funny because... My brother went to school down in Phoenix, and so we'd go visit them for spring break. And okay, you know, it's cold in the northwest during the spring, right? Temperatures in the Mm -hmm. 50s as highs. It's 85, 90, and people are wearing sweatshirts like, oh my gosh, it's so cold here. (laughs) And I just look at them like, you people are so strange. (laughs) Hey, that's how we were, but just mornings. And then, I mean, it would get warm in the afternoon, but it would be like... 80, 85, 86, like nothing close to normal for July. So it was nice. We were spoiled by it, and now it's just going to like slowly start creeping back up. I think I see some hundreds later this Ugh. week. So, yeah, I know. It's gross, plus the humidity. Well, I know that we will get into our forecast here in a little bit, but uh, I'm kind of in the same thing. It's, you know, the GFS has us doing literally nothing for the next 14 days. It's... Lows in the mid-50s, highs in the mid-80s, and a little variance, you know, there, but uh, it's a lot of wash, repeat, rinse, or wash, rinse, I can't talk today, wash, (laughs) rinse, repeat uh, when it comes to the weather here, so good times. Yeah, I mean, summer for you, you know, nothing really happens, and nothing seems to be happening anywhere, not much tropical action, I guess there's one something going on in the pacific right yeah we got a well yeah let's talk about tropicals from eric or as i call him eric <laughs> i know it's bad it's uh tr- so tropicals from eric uh latest information came out 5 a.m hawaiian standard time this morning uh located 1500 miles west southwest of the southern tip of Baja, California, and located about 1,755 miles east, southeast of Hilo, Hawaii. Maximum sustained winds 40 miles an hour. He is moving west at 17 miles an hour. 
uh, central pressure down to 1,005 millibars. Uh, and look at the discussion. Uh, he, like I said, he's chugging right along at 17 miles an hour. General motion is expected to continue for the next few days with a slight decrease in forward speed. Maximum sustained winds are currently at 40 miles an hour with higher gusts. Strengthening is in the forecast, and ERIC is expected to become a hurricane by late Monday with continued strengthening through Tuesday, um, which is great. Tropical storm force winds uh, extend out about 35 miles uh, from the center. But the thing that's very interesting about Eric or ERIC, whatever you want to call it, is the forecast cone has him as a hurricane all the way through Thursday. Wow. And at this point... Um, there is the very, very large, relatively speaking, in terms of Pacific Islands, the uh, big island of Hawaii is now within that cone once we get from Thursday into Friday. However, the forecast has it uh, de-strengthening or weakening into another tropical storm, we go from hurricane back to tropical storm, by the time they get to uh, Friday. So wow. any any change in the course would put uh, the big island back in the crosshairs. Right now, it's just on the north. Uh, let me think here. Northwest uh, periphery of the forecast cone, and we know how reliable the forecast cone is. But with that said, um, those of you listening in Hawaii should probably take notice that you have a storm about uh, five days out. Yeah, yeah. Make your preparations to secure your stuff or possibly leave for the day or whatever and just see if that changes course at all and and just be ready yep uh and like i said if it continues on the west northwest movement which it is forecast it would put hawaii back into that cone it looks like it wants to maybe shift a little bit more westward once we reach wednesday uh but i will tell you this there is a non-stop flight from atlanta to uh honolulu via a Delta Airlines 747, which I would love to go fly before they retire it. Uh, but that's a different story for a different day. Anyways, reason why I mention that is I'm sure the Weather Channel will be sending tons of crews to Hawaii again to cover storms because apparently the last two times they were there, they all had a blast. That sounds fun. I wish I was doing that. Right. I want to be sent around the world to cover weather and thunder snow and everything. Right. Well, we got to just continue to grow B squared and then we'll be sent. So. All right. Let's do it. Yeah, we'll make it happen. So, yeah, I would uh I wouldn't mind a, you know, a trip, but that is a long flight from Atlanta to Honolulu. And it's all over ocean. Like I would need to be knocked out that whole time or I would be panicking cuz I'm just that kind of person. Yeah, I mean, well, half the trip from Atlanta half the trip is over the ocean cuz you still have to fly from Atlanta like over to LA. And that's still over land. But yeah, once you hit the coast, it's uh, it's all water. Yeah, and that is just, I'm just a big old weenie, and it's that's you know too many planes disappear in the ocean. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but you got to remember those are you know kind of not first rate airlines, and they're not U S based airlines either. That is also true. So that is also true. But I would still need something. <laughs> yeah. No. Hey, listen. I I totally understand. I totally get it. Um, I've not been to Hawaii yet. I've had family and friends that have gone and they say you just don't really notice it. Oh, really? Like you're, bu- you're busy, you know, and you know, they fly about the clouds and sometimes you see the ocean way, way down, but most times you're just busy watching movies, listening to music, uh, getting your drink on, getting your sleep on, yeah, all the fun stuff. And then all of a sudden, boom, you show up and look, you're in Hawaii. 
Hmm. Okay, well, then that's might be doable then. <laughs> right. Uh, you guys have palm trees in Oklahoma City. Some. No. I swear I saw some. No, I mean, unless they're like someone's like that they've gotten from yeah. whatever and okay. put in their yard, but nothing native. Okay. Like. Yeah, you really don't get to see those until you get like down past uh, Dallas, right? If that. I feel like I've only really seen them in California. Okay. Well, they're all over Arizona. I know that. They're in New Mexico. I've seen that. They're obviously in Florida. Yeah. We yeah. Might, you know, I might have to... I'm going to look that up real quick, but... Um, <sighs> We've now switched from meteorology to botany, and I'm ready for it. Right. <laughs> uh, so, God, I love the internet. All right, here we go. Uh, what states have palm trees, native palm tree states? Palm okay. trees grow naturally in Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Louisiana, Texas, Arizona, California, and Hawaii. These are the only places in the United States where palm trees grow native to the surrounding environments. Okay, so tropical or like along... The water. Yeah, and uh, desert, too. I mean, yeah, yeah. kind of throw Arizona in there. But, yeah, for the most part, uh, yeah, there's some tropical uh, and lots of water, too. But that's pretty cool. I've seen some cool ones out in California. Like, I've seen the regular, like, big, tall ones. Mm -hmm. And then they also have, like, the little short, fat ones. Right. Those are the cute ones. Right. They kind of look like a really big pineapple. Right. And I don't know. It's like going out there, you're like, oh, my God, look at these little trees that I've never seen before. <laughs> right. No, palm trees are awesome. Um, I'm trying to figure out what the name of the one is that I really like. The Canary Island palm trees are the short little ones that look like uh, the pineapples. Mm -hmm. Types of. Ooh, if you go to palmtreepassion.com, just slice of paradise, it tells you about all the types of palm trees. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a random question before we get back to B squared. Okay. <laughs> How many species of palm trees exist? Um, 47. Um, you're going to need to increase that number exponentially. Oh, uh, 700. Apparently closer to 3,000. Oh, my God. For real? Yeah. How? I don't know. But that's what they're saying. That's a lot right? of different kinds of palm trees. Yeah, that's just that's just intense. All right, let me look here. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's insane how many there are. Oh wow. And I think some of these are also kind of like shrubbery too. But hey, that's cool. Yeah. There we go. There's your random fact of the day. 3,000 different types of palm trees. Well, I know one area that they don't need to worry about palm trees is in the upper Midwest, which is, again, just getting smashed with thunderstorms and heavy rain, more mm -hmm. flooding. And we've seen it all week. Um, a buddy of mine in Minnesota, Nick Barkley, who was on the show uh, almost a year ago talking about the tornado that went through his family farm, sent me this video of nonstop lightning from this awesome thunderstorm that he got to watch outside of Minneapolis two nights ago. Wow. Well, you'll have to post that. I, I want to see it. I will do that. I will uh, I will post that here in a little bit. We'll put it on our Twitter page, at Weather Podcast, and I'll put it on our Instagram page as well, uh, also at Weather Podcast. But, man, I told him I'm having severe thunderstorm withdrawals. 
same. <laughs> like it's just, you know, and I, again, most of my thunderstorms that I get out here in the Northwest this time of year are like monsoonal moisture that comes up over the Cascades and fires off storms. But we get a lot of dry thunderstorms, which I know is kind of oxymoronic when you think about it, but it is true. Um, where you get these thunderstorms that, you know, fire up over the high desert. And just because the air is so dry, uh, the rain, it rains and then evaporates before it reaches the ground. So they call it a dry thunderstorm. So you get a lot of lightning strikes with it. Uh, very, very little moisture, if any at all. And that's kind of what triggers off uh, forest fire season for us. That and idiots with illegal camp fires, which don't get me started on. <laughs> Right, that or people throwing their cigarettes out. Exactly, exactly. It's just, come on, guys, be more responsible. But um, I'm going to have to pull up the stats on it real quick. Uh, so we have a thing out here called the Northwest Interagency Fire Coordination Center, which uh -huh. is... Uh, one little regional office that coordinates all of the fires in Oregon and Washington uh, when it comes to um, just fighting the fires kind of in, you know, like I said, Oregon and Washington as part of the interagency government coordination centers, which the next one closest to us is I think is Boise. And I think you guys have one in either Texas or Oklahoma. And so these are the uh, areas that kind of coordinate the outreach for um, wildfires. And so we had a fire that started uh, down around the city of Canyonville, Oregon, which is in one of the most beautiful parts of the state. Um, you're driving between Eugene and Medford uh, along I-5, and it's all in the mountains. It's hilly. There's forests everywhere. Canyonville is home to an Indian casino, which is beautiful in itself. But somebody had a campfire and it has now exploded out into 11,000 acres that are burning. Um, wow. Literally one mile south of the casino. You can see the fire raging from the casino parking lot. All the people are posting pictures. Um, it's only 5% contained. There are wow. 586 houses threatened. Um, it's all in, you know, like heavily uh, dense forest. And so, you know, a lot of public-private partnerships uh, all own land in this area. And so, you know, it all kind of comes together with, um, you know, trying to coordinate the attack on it. But um, because they have so much public-private land that's going on with this, it's just, it's intense. And, you know, the evacuation maps have been posted. Um, I know there are a couple evacuations going on right now, but not a whole lot. But, man... Some of the photos are incredible. I'll retweet these as well. Um, I'm going to actually let me think here. I need to sign out on this. Well, don't get me started on the new Twitter. New Twitter is kind of ugly. I don't know if you've yeah. seen it. Yeah. So. I, I don't know. Maybe I haven't updated mine yet, but. You're lucky if you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'll have to do that when when we're done here, update it and see, see what's happened. But I. It, what happens to people who are responsible for starting a fire like that, um, even if it was an accident? So the last one that I can speak to is one that happened in the state of Oregon a couple years ago. Uh, it was two summers ago um, in the Columbia River Gorge, which is not a dry 
area at all. It's very wet. It's almost considered a, a rainforest, but it's not. But um, we had a very large fire that sparked from some kids playing with fireworks. And within an hour, they knew who started it. And um, this fire exploded and it raced in an east wind from uh, basically Cascade Locks all the way down several miles. I want to say almost 15 or 20 miles past Multnomah Multnomah Falls and even points a little bit further west. But they knew who started it. They knew that, you know, he was playing with fireworks and was throwing fireworks into a canyon, basically, just being stupid. And they ended up charging the kid. He's going to have to pay restitution. Uh, the family is responsible for some cost of it. Um, let me see. I'll have to pull it up here in a second to find out how much it was. But, um, you know, they had to go through and... Um, you know, assess the cleanup, and it wasn't one of those things where, um, let's see here, okay, uh, they had to assess the cleanup, and because there were multiple agencies involved and public-private partnerships, everybody had to submit a bill to the U.S. government to basically recoup costs, so uh, the railroad, like, um, I think it was Union Pacific Railroad owns the railway that went through, they had to close that down because of damage, uh, they closed down I-84, which is a main thoroughfare for moving uh, goods through the Columbia River Gorge, so people were losing money that way. Uh, it was intense, and so it started September 28th, uh, 2017. Oh, sorry. Uh, it started September 2nd, 2017 by a 15-year-old boy igniting fireworks during a burn ban. The fire burned 50,000 acres and burned for three months before being completely declared contained. However, even in May, there were still smoldering spots and they had a fire pop up several months later. Of uh, They found that active fire was still burning like deep in a hollowed out log and it temperatures got really warm kind of in early May. Um, and the Haynes Index, which measures the temperature and then also the moisture content in the soil and all these ingredients kind of came together again and just popped up and it reignited the fire. And so they were able wow. to go put it out. But um, let's see here. Uh, I'm trying to do the thing. Okay, so yeah, so the state police... Um, Announced they had identified the person suspected starting the wildfire like three days later, but they knew who it was the day of because apparently he was arrested that day. He was a 15-year-old boy from Vancouver. Uh, Witnesses saw a group of teenagers uh, recording the fireworks being lit and thrown into the canyon. Um, The state police had cell phone video. The teen was sentenced in February 2018 to five years of probation and 1,920 hours of community service with the U.S. Forest Service. Also ordered to uh, write apology letters to 152 people trapped on the Eagle Creek Trail because of the spreading flames. The City of Cascade Locks, the Forest Service, Oregon State Parks, Oregon Department of Transportation, the Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs, the Columbia River Intertribal Fish Commission, and many others. On May 21st, 2018, a judge ordered the 15-year-old to pay more than $36 million in restitution, which includes more than $21 million on behalf of the U.S. Forest Service, $12.5 million to the Oregon Department of Transportation, 
$1.6 million to the Oregon State Fire Marshal, more than a million to Union Pacific Railroad, and varying amounts to Oregon State Parks, Allstate Insurance, and a woman who lost her home in the fire. At this sentencing, Judge Olson stated that terms of the repayment were for a payment plan lasting for 10 years, providing the offender completed five years of probation and did not commit any crimes in the 10-year period. So, yeah, $36 million. That, and that's a 15-year-old. Wow. And over 10 years, what is that, 360000 Yeah, roughly, just in terms of cash. But, you know, a majority of the payback will be in terms of the community service. So a lot of these agencies will never see that money recouped. You know, honestly, I'm sure they'll get a lot with insurance. Yeah. But still, I mean, that's for a 15-year-old, that's a lot of work and a lot and a lot of, you know, money to come up with for the 15-year-old. Well, and I wonder what that does to your record. So, like, in the future, like, doing stuff, like getting (sighs) a job or, like, you know what I mean? Like, how that would hold you back. That's a really good question. Um, I want to say that because he was a minor, it might be expunged by the time he turns 18. Jeez, kids are so <laughs> get away with a lot of crap. Like, <laughs> No, it's, tr- it's totally true. They do. Um, but with that said, you know, um, because it is 15 and, you know, other things have happened. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, you, you want to know what's going to happen in the future to a kid and does it, if it stays on his record, I mean, that's a felony charge, obviously. Yeah. You know, for arson and whatnot. But, um, if you go to our Twitter page right now at, uh, weather podcast, I've just retweeted the picture this morning from the. Uh, Oregon Department of Forestry Southwest Division, and it's a beautiful shot. You can actually see uh, the stars out, and then you see the smoke plume and the fire, but that's actually a really, really beautiful time lapse, so you will enjoy that, Bonnie. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go check that out as soon as soon as we're done. So, yeah, um, again, it depends if they know who uh, started the fire. It depends on, honestly, who is caught if they do catch somebody, but it's one of those things where they just sometimes don't know and, you know, I don't know, honestly, if they, with this fire in Canyonville, if they know who started or not. But I guess we'll find out eventually. I wonder if that kid was, like, sorry, like, legitimately sorry. Like, wow. Like, I was just being a dumb kid. And then I caused all this damage, three months of a fire burning. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I wonder what he feels like. You know, I, I want to he say, cares. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure he does. And I want to say that he did apologize when he was going through sentencing and uh, when they were going through that whole phase. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, you would think he was again, he's a 15 year old playing with fireworks. Right. And yeah, sometimes you just can't, you know, you can't change that. And so I would assume that yes, he did feel sad, but I don't know for sure. Jeez. Well, don't play with fire when you're not supposed to like during a burn ban. Right. Exactly. And that's, (laughs) And that's the the key point of it. Just don't be stupid. And I know we say that a lot on the show, but it's really true. Just don't be stupid. Just another story of why playing with fireworks is a dumb idea. Right. And I know how much you love fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah. So, um, 
gosh, we went from Tropical Storm Eric into fires, but let's circle back real quick to talk about the um, Pacific, or not the Pacific, but the Atlantic Ocean, because there is, um, as we mentioned, just a slight chance of a uh, disturbance forming 10% in the next 48 hours and 20% through the next five days, uh, currently over the Eastern Caribbean Sea. Uh, a lot of heavy rain and some flooding across Puerto Rico and Hispaniola. Puerto Rico just needs a break. Now, I don't know if you've been following any of the political stuff coming out of Puerto Rico, but um, it's been a very tumultuous time where really? apparently the governor was taking money uh, in storm from storm relief and profiting off of it. Wow. Yeah. So the people rioted and he announced that he is resigning. So... Um, hopefully this doesn't affect Puerto Rico too much, but, um, it's saying once it moves over the Straits of Florida by the end of the week where the environmental conditions could be a little bit more conducive to development. So we will see what happens, uh, once this thing kind of gets back over open water. That's what it needs. It needs that fuel. So yeah, we'll see if it, if it can strengthen into something or not. I mean, You know, we're moving through hurricane season. It would be nice if, if some stuff would pan out a little bit here and, and form into something. Agreed. We're waiting for Chantel to show up. But, um, yeah, we're getting to that point now where it's, you know, August. We're getting toward the peak, right? Yep. Um, yep. This is the peak. So we'll see. Yep. We'll see what the next several weeks hold because, like, yep, like you said, it's the peak. So it's, You know, we're kind of having a, a flashback to last year where, you know, it started out a little bit busy and then it just died off and – now we just wait. Yep, and that's what we're doing. We're waiting for that. We're waiting for Oklahoma severe weather season number two to start in the fall-ish area. Right. So we'll just see. We're just chilling. Well, not chilling. We're sizzling over here in the hot summer heat. So <laughs> well, You mentioned that earlier. Let's get into your forecast. What are you guys looking like? Uh, we are just heating right back up. That cold front that came through, which we loved, is now... Uh, it's done it's over so relief is gone and we're just going to start heating back up upper 90s low 100s humidity um misery and <laughs> lots of complaining to come over the next several weeks oh i'm sure <laughs> but that's classic oklahoma weather i'm gonna have to break out the kiddie pool and chill in the backyard in the kiddie pool oh does clyde join you for that uh, yeah, yeah, he does. Yep. If he's not trying to play with the dog next door, I'm like, hey, get in this pool and cool down. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, like we said, out here in Oregon, not a whole lot's going to happen. It's, you know, rinse and repeat. Yeah. Like I said, sunny all day um, and, you know, highs in the mid to upper 80s, lows in the mid to upper 50s. It's pleasant. Um, we had a couple of days where it was really humid. It's funny, we woke up one morning to showers, and I was like, "What? where'd these come from? Well, just, you know, once you kind of get that humidity in place, and then sometimes you get a little push of marine air that makes its way into the Willamette Valley, you can get a little bit of development and, you know, very, very low base clouds, and sometimes you get some sprinkles out of it. Yeah, that was the way it was yesterday uh, before I had to head out to the middle of nowhere to DJ that wedding. We had showers, and it was actually refreshing, but it was humid because... You know, by the time the sun really came up and started warming the atmosphere, the showers were gone and, you know, this residual moisture just kind of laying around and just felt crappy. Yeah, Yeah. that's what makes everything worse is the humidity. And really, even during our cool down, it was still 
a little bit humid outside too. And because it wasn't as hot, it wasn't as miserable, but definitely it didn't feel as good as like springtime cooler weather, you know, where it just feels like crisp and cool and nice. It was still kind of sticky. Right. Could you imagine a weather world if we had not found a way to measure humidity? I feel like we wouldn't really know what was going on. We wouldn't have a clear picture of temperature or why storms formed or didn't form because we didn't know humidity and its importance and how to measure it and how much you need to get certain things to happen. So, yeah, yeah, I think that without humidity and the knowledge about it, we would be very much in the dark. Agreed. I mean, we know, obviously, temperature is by far and away the most important things people care about. Mm-hmm. And I think wind speed is probably next to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in some parts of the United States, humidity probably is the second biggest factor. But yeah, without you know the knowledge of humidity, a l- things would be a lot different. Mm-hmm. Well, and humidity and wind chill alike are both. Oh yeah. You know, those are like sub points to temperature because if you work outside or spend a significant period of time outside during the day you need to know those things to know how to prepare to know what to wear or what not to wear and bring water and things like that because it could be hot but if it's hot and humid it's it's even worse and even more dangerous so exactly and just one of those things that just kind of popped in my head i'm like man i'm, I'm really glad we know how to measure humidity yeah right it's so, those little things that that are really important <laughs> right i wonder let's see here you know what I'm looking at, up, don't you? Well, and there's different ways to measure humidity. There's like three or four different types of humidity. So it's it, humidity is important. And if we didn't have it, it, like we would have no clue what was going on. That's the bottom line, I feel. You want to take a stab at who built the first hygrometer? <sighs> you know, the sad thing is I should probably know it. And and I just I just don't. When I tell you, you're gonna you're gonna like oh, I totally knew that. Take a guess. Okay. Just take a guess. The only two people I can think of are Thomas Edison and uh, Albert Einstein. Um, we're gonna rewind to the 1400s, and some call him the father of modern science. I'm gonna let you know it was Leonardo da Vinci. Oh. Wow. He built the first crude hygrometer in the 1400s, and then Francisco Foley invented a more practical one in 1664. In 1783, a f- Swiss physicist and geologist Horace Benedict de Saru, I totally butchered that name and I don't care, uh, <laughs> Saussurer, whatever, built the first hygrometer using a human hair to measure humidity. These are called mechanical hygrometers based on the principle that organic substances, aka human hair, contract and expand in response to the relative humidity. The contraction and expansion move a needle gauge. So when you ladies have hair issues and you get all frizzed out because there's more humidity, because there is more humidity, uh, just know that science proved it. That we're walking around with natural hygrometers on our head. Right. <laughs> um, Robert Hooke, a 17th century contemporary of Sir Isaac Newton, invented or improved a number of meteorological instruments, such as the barometer and the anemometer. 
His hygrometer, regarded as the first mechanical one, used the husk of oat grain, which he noted curled and uncurled depending on the humidity of the air. Hook's other inventions include the universal joint, which is hilarious, <laughs> an early prototype of the respirator, an anchor, escapement, and balance spring, which made more accurate clocks possible. But most famously, he was the first to discover cells. Wow. See, what would we do without these people? Right. Who come up with all of this stuff and discover all these things. It's true. I feel, like, I feel like that kind of stuff didn't happen now. Right. And let's see here. Uh, John Frederick Danielle in 1820, British chemist and meteorologist John Frederick uh, Danielle invented a dew point hygrometer, which came into widespread use to measure the temperature at which moist air reaches a saturation point. Daniel is best known for inventing the Daniel cell, an improvement over the voltaic cell used in early history of battery development. Wow. So there we go. Those are the inventors of the hygrometer. See, and that took time to perfect. It did. It did. So. Now it's like, you know, we kind of almost take those things for granted because we, we have them. Right, and they're all based on a computer, and you can basically just plug something in, and it'll automatically tell you. Yep. As I spill my frappuccino all over myself. <laughs> Maybe there needs to be an invention to prevent that. So yeah, that's it's what called you a lid that I took on. off. <laughs> yeah. So what have we learned? Uh, don't take the lid off. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> now that we've identified the problem, we can go back and rework the solution. <laughs> There's a scientific there's a scientific method for you right there on B squared your weekly weather podcast. Hey, I like solving the easy problems. Right. It's easy. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, I'm gonna have to clean that up later. Oh well. At least I didn't get on the carpet, which I just vacuumed. Yeah, at least it's not on the carpet. That's good. Yeah. It's the little victories in life. I, I spilled, but I didn't really spill on the carpet. Right, the silver linings. It's exactly. the silver linings. <laughs> well, I hope we have some more exciting weather. Um across the country i know like we said some areas in the upper midwest have been dealing with thunderstorms all day i will post that video here in a little bit again on our uh, twitter and instagram pages at b squared weather uh, i will post it on facebook as well um just a reminder to follow us on all of our socials again b squared uh weather on on facebook and then weather podcast uh twitter and instagram all the good stuff all the good stuff. All the social medias. All the socials. We're not on Snapchat, and I think that's okay. Yeah. I mean, it'd be hard to do anything on Snapchat. So just Insta, Twitter, Facebook. Right. We'll see you there. <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, got some exciting stuff coming up that we are excited to tell you guys about here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, let's get the second chase season going. I, I need my severe thunderstorm juices back flowing. I'm tired of being, you know, suffering from withdrawals. Same, same. So we're just counting down to that. Uh, hopefully winter is interesting too. And then the next spring will start. So <laughs> we're looking really far ahead, but yes, we're we ready are. for it. But it's okay. <laughs> we're, we're allowed to. Yeah. We're allowed <laughs> to hope and dream. <laughs> oh, all the time. Hopes and dreams. It's what we're yep. built on. For real. That's what we're built on. Well, Bonnie, another great episode of B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.